Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash onpay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Rob Viglioni. He's the co-founder and CEO at Horizon Labs. Rob, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Horizon Labs is actually really, really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. Well, I, I grew up in Long Island, New York, and Very I've cool. bounced around a, a bunch in my life. But okay. uh, I'm actually calling in from Puerto Rico right now. Very cool. I'm, I'm jealous. The weather is probably great there. <laughs> it's beautiful. Best time of year to be here, right after hurricane season. Sure, sure. So you went to university. What did you take and why? So I, I chose physics and math, I think, because I, I like to abuse myself a little bit. And uh, <laughs> that was my undergrad. And I can say quite definitively, I'm not the best physicist and mathematician, but it did open some, some doors. Um, they then got me my, my MBA in finance and marketing and then my PhD, which I, I'm a PhD huh? candidate right now. So I need to okay, defend cool. the dissertation. Awesome. No, that's, that's great. So walk us through your journey up until Horizon Labs, and then I want to get into that. Sure. So I, I did ROTC in college um, okay. with the Air Force. And when I graduated college, I, I went active duty in the Air Force as a physicist, uh, working for Air Force Space Command. My first job with them was uh, doing uh, working on a satellite radar program and doing just basic analytical work on on radar coverage for the system. That'd be cool. That, yeah, yeah. That turned into software project management, basically. So basically, as an Air Force officer in Space Command, you, you pick up some scientific discipline, and they basically put you in charge of some projects. And I was in charge of software stuff for satellites. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so keep yeah. going. Sorry. Oh, no, no worries. So going, going from there, then I went on more of the operational intelligence side of the military um, as a contractor. And I could say I, I got into Bitcoin relatively early enough where I, I could afford the opportunity to pivot my career, which then went into academia. And I went back for my PhD in finance. And uh, actually, my department was flexible enough to let me actually study this Bitcoin thing and, uh, and blockchain technology. And I, I did my research around that on the asset pricing side. And then they hired me back as an adjunct professor to teach uh, Bitcoin and blockchain applications and finance. From there, I launched Horizon and Horizon Labs. We can get into that story. Sure. Interesting. So what made you get into blockchain? Was there a defining moment or, or what made you fascinated about it? You know, I, I got in more from the, the promise of what the technology could do and, and bringing okay. economic freedom around the world. So that, that was really my thing for getting to Bitcoin. I just love the, the idea behind it of what it could do. Interesting. No, I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. So 
for for people that maybe don't understand what do you think it can do today and and maybe in the future look i think that it, at the most fundamental level we're creating an alternative system that at least gives the old systems and by systems i mean say financial system monetary system economic systems we're giving them a run for their money and we're doing sure. it in all sorts of interesting ways and you know there, there are a lot of companies and projects in our industry that are tackling different aspects of that but you know we're get, we're coming to this really from the idea of um, you know, giving power back to the individual at different levels, whether that's, uh, you know, control over your money to control over your data and every, everything in between, you know, it's a big industry. No, that, that makes total sense. So what exactly is Horizon Labs and how did you come up with the idea and then decide to actually go for it? So we are, it's interesting, you know, it should never take you more than 10 seconds to talk about your business. At a technical level, we're we're a, a, a very sophisticated circuit building company, um, a circuit building company that enables blockchains. But really, what we're trying to do is make it really easy for people to build blockchains in the most secure environment possible. Uh, blockchains that scale, and I, I can say that the motivation for what we're doing is blockchains don't scale. We're talking about peer-to-peer -peer databases that um, have nodes all over the world that just re replicated databases. That doesn't scale very well when you try to force all of the world's economic activity through them. So what we've done is we've, we've changed the architecture to just do a lot of things in parallel. And our company is all about making or making it easy for businesses to come into the industry. Okay, so what does that actually mean for businesses? How do they actually leverage what you guys are doing to bring it into their company? We have a toolkit that makes it easy for businesses to either grab it themselves, kind of like a Twilio model where they can just grab the, the SDK that we have and deploy it and deploy their own applications or work with us as a company and we'll help deploy it for you. So the point for businesses though, is we want to abstract away the complexities of what it means to think about building a blockchain from scratch. Um, that's something that doesn't scale very well. You know, there aren't very many blockchain engineers in the world. So we focused our product on abstracting away that that part of the, the value stack. Sure, so how can companies either leverage your technology through an SDK and or work with your team to build a blockchain into their company? And, and maybe it's easier to give some specific examples of how people are using your technology in their business. You don't have to give a company names or even like secrets away, but just like maybe some examples that people could be like, hey, I could implement that into my business. Yeah, th so this is the first time I'm using this phrase, but we've been using it internally. And okay. we're, we're providing a sort of layer zero for currently the blockchain industry. So we're okay. not even, I mean, we, we are focusing, we're, I, I could say we are working outside of the blockchain industry, but the earliest and easiest clients to, to get are those that are already building with blockchain, already convinced. You don't, you don't have to convince them uh, that they need blockchain. You don't have to educate them on blockchain because that is, there is a hurdle to that. And we're doing it with, with certain clients. But we're acting as a sort of layer zero where we are providing blockchain infrastructure for other blockchain projects and companies. Okay, so we are providing the blockchain infrastructure for currently the second largest lending platform in our industry. Um, so the, the platform operates on an application that is centralized. They use databases right now to track and, and store user data and just have transactions go over, over their database. What they want to do is actually provide more transparency for, and trust with their user base so that they, um, their users understand exactly where their deposits are going, where they're being stored. 
And there's a third party, basically, a third party, which is the blockchain network, is actually validating where their deposits are, where the reserves are. Uh, so that's one example of a client that's already in, in our industry. And our gig is to provide the blockchain layer for them. Um, there are others that we're, we're building blockchain layers for within our industry, but and these are sort of niche. So we're really good at uh, something called zero knowledge cryptography for applications. So it, it basically introduces a very strong privacy protocol for applications. And, and this is an example of some other public blockchain projects are working with us so that we can provide some functionality for their current users that uh, enhance the privacy of their users for some things. Okay, so how does privacy and security play into the blockchain space when you also want to kind of give people the transparency to know kind of what's happening to your point a few minutes ago with their data and their transactions and where things are actually being stored? Mm -hmm. this, this is the evolution, probably the quintessential evolution of our industry that I think will make blockchain actually scale into the real world is when we started with Bitcoin, Bitcoin is this public ledger, uh, like I said, a peer-to-peer -peer replicated database public ledger where everyone can see everything that happens. That's the whole point of it is any single person in the world should be able to run a node that can look into the blockchain, look into the database and, and see exactly what happened. Well, this doesn't scale very well into, say, a world of proprietary information that a company might have, and they may not want their competitors to know exactly what they're doing, who they're transacting with, or you know, even, say, patterns of transactions. So what we're working on is an application that uses zero-knowledge cryptography that allows you to publish information to a shared ledger, um, still to, to a blockchain, um, that uses something called zero-knowledge cryptography that obfuscates exactly what was you know, the, the, data, the data structure itself uh, and also the, the sender and receiver of that information. All of this is obfuscated, but what, what the zero knowledge circuit does is it proves to the world, basically that observes the blockchain, that the rules of the game have been, have been adhered to. So we know that a valid transaction has happened between two parties on the network without revealing any information about what happened. Got it. And you're, and you're validating it through a trusted third party and you're that trusted third party. Is that correct? Uh, well, we provide the technology that allows trusted or the, the network is the trusted, oh, okay. uh, the, the trust. It, it's not necessarily you have to trust any actor on the network themselves. Got you. Okay. That makes sense. So I'm curious then how does security play into all this? Because I, I've heard it's, Obviously, I think some people think that it's absolutely more secure. And then you have kind of the other side of things where some people are like, well, it's just a matter of time before the blockchain gets hacked and, and it's kind of irrelevant again. How do you handle or what's your thoughts around the security side of blockchain and how secure is it actually? So we're, we're trying to build the most secure blockchain system in the world. That's actually our core value prop. Um, so we take this very seriously and we're doing this in a layered approach that takes advantage of a, a lot of different types of cryptography. But at the end of the day, uh, these systems are only as secure as the cryptographic primitives that they use. So for instance, Bitcoin is screwed if SHA-256 gets, gets hacked. So if, if we have, which, which is nowhere close to happening right now, but if we had the age of quantum computing in theory, it would be able to brute force hack you know, SHA-256. And we can go down the line of other cryptographic primitives and hash functions. And you know, of course, these things at some point in time are theoretically able to be broken. 
uh, but not with current technology. So it is a cat and mouse game where there are quantum resistant hash functions that are being generated as well by mathematicians. Uh, we hope that we're always going to be, you know, say 10 steps ahead of, of the, you know, the guys trying to break these systems, but it, it's something that we, we can't guarantee as an industry. But as of today, everything is, is at least as secure as the type of cryptography that we use. Well, and, and arguably, it's more secure than the current financial banking system. And you don't have to comment if you don't want to. But <laughs> like, I think in a lot of cases, there's so many holes in the current system that almost like anything is better than what we have in a lot of banking um, scenarios these days. I would say much better. So just just really high level, we're, we're competing against an industry that's using 1970s technology. Yeah. Uh, so of course, I, I, I'm weighing in on the side of our industry. But what I will throw out there is there was a responsible caveat is uh, this is the Wild West in the sense that there are very few barriers to entering the, the blockchain industry. So you have a lot of new entrants and a lot of ideas being tried, which means there's a lot of innovation going on. But you know, creative destruction is probably more amplified in our, our industry than any other industry in the world. And there are a lot of bad ideas out there and th there are gonna be a lot of mistakes that happen. And, and there have already been a lot of mistakes in the industry. So uh, we should not be portraying ourselves as um, you know, a completely foolproof uh, environment. People ha absolutely have to do their due diligence to make sure that they're, they're, they're operating with at least the, the more trusted segments of the industry. No, I think that's really good advice. And I'm glad you're kind of brutally honest about that, right? And, and I think that's, that's really great. But I want to get a little bit back into the roots of the company. Do you want to walk us through the, the story and how you guys came to be and, and you guys came out of a, a specific project? Totally. Yeah. So th this was a project that uh, a co-founder of mine and I launched in 2017 while I was still doing my PhD. Okay. And um, it, it was meant to be really just an experiment. It's not, not meant to be this full-fledged business that we have now. Uh, which sometimes I think some of the best businesses in the world come out 100%. of accidents. Um, so that, that's really the, the gist of what happened with us was we were, you know, we, we were trying to solve two big problems in Bitcoin. One was um, Bitcoin doesn't scale very well outside of just coin transfer. Uh, and then the economics for Bitcoin, I don't think are very sustainable long-term. And by that, I mean, there are, are many different types of actors that are absolutely critical for a public blockchain ecosystem like Bitcoin to thrive long-term, different people. And we can think of, yes, software needs to be developed. Uh, businesses need to be you know, developed around these things. People need to actually use it. And there's a whole value chain across this ecosystem. And there's only one type of stakeholder class that gets compensated on the margin in Bitcoin. And it's this group that we call miners that actually mine blocks. And everyone else is expected to participate of their own goodwill because they love the ecosystem. So what we did was um, experimented on making the economics better. So just we want something that is uh, sustainable over time. And by sustainability economically, I mean, on the margin, people that contribute need to be compensated for their contribution. And we can think about many different types of people that contribute to these ecosystems. Really what we're trying to do is creating a peer-to-peer -peer economy um, really on top of the internet. That's, that's what we're doing in terms of like these public blockchains like Bitcoin. And then on the other side, these things don't scale technologically very well. So we built, um, the system called Zendu, which is a sidechain interoperability protocol. So you can think of Bitcoin as this, um, you know, what a blockchain is, it's a chain of blocks that, that happen in sequence. What we've built is a blockchain, a blockchain's environment, so we could do a lot of different things in parallel. Um, so those are the two things that we did, and we launched uh, what is today called Horizon. At the time, it was called Zencash in 2017. 
um, in, in that was the public blockchain. You consider this like an open source Linux type of project that just has a very ambitious community vision and trying to make the world a better place. And then in 2019, last year, we, we spun off Horizon Labs, uh, which is the, the commercial entity. It's really a software company building out uh, the technology for really the scalability in the business domain. Interesting. Okay. So how, again, and this probably goes back to a little bit like what we covered at the beginning, people can leverage the SDK to access these, the, the blockchain or these side chains or, 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 and, or I guess work with your team or how does that all work and fit together? Absolutely. So our core product with Horizon Labs is an SDK and the SDK is meant really for, for other, say an IT team to be able to take the SDK and deploy their own blockchain. And okay. then they could, custom, they could customize the business logic of that blockchain. It is theirs. Um, it, you know, and this could range from everything. We're, we have a client, for instance, that's a, a big invoicing company. Um, so we, you know, digitizing invoices and broadcasting them to a blockchain so that they can lower information frictions in their marketplace so that these invoices could then be financed. You know, uh, think about like a factory marketplace for invoices. Well, getting them onto a blockchain and kind of a shared repository and making sure that they're actually valid invoices is, is a precursor to uh, financing these things. That's one example. And, and this company would own their, that blockchain. There is a blockchain within our blockchain of blockchains environments, uh, and it's theirs. They, they control it completely, but they derive the security of it by being part of this broader system, kind of like joining the public internet. Whereas I would say, you know, before this type of technology, what people were doing uh, was kind of creating their own versions of like an internet. They launched their own blockchain network. It would be private, not talk to anything else. We're creating a public network where people can plug into it with their own blockchains. Interesting. And then, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you're basically like, if, if I create a company and I leverage your technology and your SDK to build whatever I'm building, it doesn't really matter. I get to leverage as well as the other companies that are building on this public blockchain, the security and the basically like the updates and like the core stuff from this public. Like it's almost like Linux, right? Like where, or Android or whatever, like any open source project where you could have your own version, but then you get to bring back in the good pieces or the pieces that you want from the rest of the community. Is that fair to say? Kevin, you, you're exactly right. That's, that's a great way to look at it. And, and I go a little further and say, uh, you leverage the, the common infrastructure, the public infrastructure that we built on the project. And, and one example is we have the largest network in the entire industry. Like we have right. more full nodes or servers running on our network than Bitcoin and, and the next largest project combined. Uh, you get that. So basically you get the economies of scale of being able to bid for basically like some subset of this huge network to be able to run your blockchain. Right. Well, and let's be realistic here. Like chances are, unless you're like a huge, huge company, you're not going to be able to build a bigger, more secure version internally at your company because it's like, it's 100%. not humanly possible. Exactly. Like, unless exactly. you have like thousands of people working on it, right? Right. So what we do just from like a big picture perspective yeah. is we give you full control of what you need as a business owner or say like an application developer. You complete, you have complete control. There's no way we could de-platform you, but you're still plugging into this large public infrastructure that, that really uh, collapses your marginal costs. 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's really that's actually really innovative and cool, right? Because I think I I still think and you like just kind of going back to the Android thing. It's like Google makes Android, but like Samsung's the most popular version of Android. Mm-hmm. But Samsung adds their own pieces to Android, but they also get the great stuff that Google's releasing every year too, right? So they're mm-hmm. basically building the best version and that's basically what you guys are right like you're almost like a, a samsung or like or you're i guess you're you would be a google but like you could leverage stuff from samsung you could leverage stuff from other companies and then any company can kind of leverage or pick pieces because it's all open is that fair to say totally and on top of that we basically provide an aws type service for you with forty thousand nodes around the world that that uh you know you don't have to replicate yourself you could just bid for services from Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. So it's like, so super cost effective then. Yep. Absolutely. And so you've got the cost effective element and just the massive security that comes with being part of this large network. Sure. So then how do you guys monetize the platform? For us, it's a, it's a microtransaction model. We're, we're from a business model perspective, we're looking at um, like a Twilio meets Red Hat type of model. Um, Again, like coming back to the Linux example that you gave, um, when it comes to, people deploying it and why I, I sort of fumbled at the beginning. I didn't want to dive into the technical explanation of what we are, but we're building say like a circuit that provides massive security to this type of network, to participating in this type of network. And for using our circuit, there's a microtransaction uh, every time you basically ping from say your blockchain to um, the, the main horizon blockchain that provides security for you. There's a microtransaction that gets paid. So it's like every time you use an SMS, you're, you're paying a you know, microtransaction to Twilio. Same deal with us. Um, and then on top of that, as say the Red Hat equivalent in, in our industry, we do provide certain bespoke services for if a company wants to come in and, and like, like for instance, this invoicing platform, we'll work with their engineering team and deploy that system with them. Right. Well, and to your point, like not, there's not a ton of people that are doing blockchain like or, or developers of blockchain just because it's pretty new still, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So that's the thing. You're talking about maybe thousands of, of real blockchain engineers in the world, and you're talking about maybe hundreds or maybe a hundred of you know, cryptographic engineers that, that could do the types of things that we do. Uh, it, it would be extremely expensive and costly and really, honestly a, a complete waste of time to try to replicate what we're doing. Take, the, take the, the component that we're providing, that circuit, and run with it. Use the SDK and focus on your application layer. Sure. So how do you get over that hurdle of explaining blockchain and why it's an option for uh, businesses? And, and how do you see getting it more like widespread into companies? Yeah, so I'd say that's our biggest challenge. Our, our, First strategy is actually servicing our, our own industry. And that we're having phenomenal success with. Uh, we, we just launched the beta version of this product that I'm talking about in July. And we've okay. spent the last couple of months actually lining up your early, call them design partners, um, to, to really demo the tech. And, and these are all projects within our industry. The next layer, and I could say we have a lot of help from other projects and companies in our own industry. Uh, one stat I read is something like 85% of Fortune 500 companies are say dabbling in blockchain right now and building POCs in blockchain. And, and, so, and most of these actually claim to have production uh, level projects in blockchain. So other people have already been selling companies that they should be checking out this whole blockchain thing. Now we're coming in saying, that's great. Why don't you plug into a much larger public infrastructure, 
abstract away all of those complexities of knowing what it takes to build a blockchain, just use our system and, and plug into this massive security that we offer in the process. Interesting. So how hard is it if I basically built my own one, how hard is it to plug into yours? I get that it's probably a case by case basis, but do I have to pull everything out and then, and then recode parts of it? Or how does that kind of work? So we have a reference blockchain right now that you could launch with the SDK in say a matter of two hours. Oh, wow. If we want to drive that down, even that's too long. So we're still writing scripts to help deployment, deployment easier. And, and we have our own team really like trying to break it as much as we can and make it much faster, more efficient. Uh, but as of right now, with the beta version of the product, it'll take you two hours to launch a blockchain. Uh, now, that's a reference blockchain that we provide that could do basic things. Like you, you could launch your own token. Right. Launch a token that represents, say, like your real estate investment trust. You could tokenize all of, all of the real estate in your portfolio and offer that on your own blockchain within a matter of hours. We, we have that capability already. Now, if you want to extend this further and customize the logic, the business logic of, of this blockchain, it would take you something like, I would say weeks to be able to deploy your own custom application with it. And that we want to drive down. This is where we're really focusing now on, on creating modules that we know we're going to cover 80, 90% of use cases and, and provide these, pre-build them so that people can just grab the modules. No, that's great. Well, and realistically from going live in a couple of hours to obviously like weeks of development is not bad. I get that you want to approve that because like obviously the quicker, the better, but that's still really good where you guys are today. I, I think so. If we're going to actually have a meaningful impact on getting say even a fraction of real world economic activity into blockchain, we have to have a system that has thousands of blockchains that can scale for all sorts of uses versus before us, the, the blockchain model was one blockchain that rules them all. And we actually have kind of uh, certain tribes in our industry. If you come in and join the crypto world, you will find all these different tribes like Bitcoin maximalists, you'll find Ethereum maximalists and people that just think their one blockchain is gonna solve all of the world's use cases. I don't think so, not a chance. So what we're doing is we're providing a flexible architecture so that people can actually come in and launch their own blockchains to do their own custom applications. They just have a, a common interoperability standard and you know, common security environment. That's it, no other restrictions. And we wanna have a blockchain, a blockchain's world where we have tens of thousands of blockchains that service all sorts of different types of economic activities. That's the way we're gonna scale into the real world. No, totally. Well, and you're kind of leveling the global playing field then, right? Totally. Yeah, that, that, so if we want to now go switch, from, switch from the business world back to the, the original, say, social good premise that, that we're talking about, really what we're trying to do is create this peer-to-peer -peer economic system. So I, I also, I still have one foot in academia and some of the research I'm doing right now actually looks at what we're doing in the peer-to-peer -peer financial systems as okay. a substitute for traditional banking. And actually we're looking, we're seeing empirical evidence suggests that um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency adoption is actually happening, accelerating the fastest in parts of the world that lack basic banking services. So For this sure. is going to that, that basic, like what's that, that world changing fundamental social good that we're doing is we're, we're providing a, basically a platform to onboard people that have been just disenfranchised from the traditional systems and giving them a voice. And I don't see what can be more powerful and, and just fun to be part of than that. No, I 100% agree with you. Well, I think the part of the biggest problem right now, and it's it seems like it's probably the hardest to break into North America, for example, because we have such a big mm -hmm. financial system. I, I also think that financial system is so broken 
that <laughs> and, and yeah like it doesn't really matter my opinion but i but i also think though that it gives such opportunity for this technology to really either give it a good run for its money play nice with it at some point it'll probably have to but it also gives company or countries sorry that don't have a banking system or a very bad banking system it levels the playing field and allows people to send money or trade services or sell digital or physical or virtual goods almost instantly right where right now doing that is so cumbersome and such a pain that it can take days or weeks to transfer certain things across the world that should be relatively instant. Is that fair mm -hmm. to say? Or what are your thoughts around that? 100% agree. So there's two ways that I look at this. So one is I've spent a good amount of my life in the developing world everywhere from Afghanistan to Nicaragua. Sure. And, and, and I would say one of the biggest, just from like a finance economics perspective, one of the biggest problems that people have is they do not have the ability to accumulate wealth over time or accumulate right. capital over time. Uh, and then put that capital basically to work for them over time. You know, and, and there are many reasons for this. Uh, you know, broken political systems, uh, bad you know, judicial systems, lack of property rights, and so forth. You, you can run down a list of the usual suspects of why economies could be completely broken. Uh, what we do is we offer them an alternative system that can really leapfrog that. So it's kind of like um, you know, why more people in Africa have cell phones before they actually have landlines um, for telephones installed sure. in their homes. Just completely leapfrog the technology uh, because you don't need that massive infrastructure for it. So the same thing with us is we're creating a, a, basically a global public commons type of infrastructure. That's kind of like what I talked about with the Horizon public blockchain. And then on top of that, on the margin, now you can start servicing customers in parts of the world where before you really just couldn't enter for a variety of reasons, whether that was intentional restrictions on, on competition or, you know, say like big infrastructure investments that were, you know, were needed precursors. We leapfrog that. We basically ignore those systems and jump right to the heart of it and focus on just helping people directly. Um, now, when it comes to the, the, the developed world, and this is where you mentioned on the margin, maybe we have a, a tougher, a tougher sell like in the US or say Western Europe is we already have pretty good, at least functioning, highly functioning yeah, right. capital markets, payment systems and so forth. So on the margin, we, we have a tougher value prop you know, to sell, but at the same time, what this industry does well is we're gonna challenge every single aspect of the current banking system, of the current financial system, monetary system. And I think there's nothing better than competition than to just flush out um, you know, things that don't work very well. And, and that's, that's gonna be where I, I envision, say 10 years from now, 20 years from now, blockchain is not gonna rule the world, but blockchain is gonna carve out and challenge parts of the world that are just dysfunctional right now that need to be completely disrupted. We're gonna disrupt them, you know, so large, large chunks of industries will be entirely disrupted. Others will be impacted and some just won't be impacted at all, right? That'll be the, the mix of it. And I think in the end, it's a really good thing for society. No, I 100% agree. And like, I'll give you an example and you tell me if I'm correct in my assumption here. So if I'm a company starting, like say you and I start a company right now and we want to launch in every country on the planet. If we leverage blockchain and, and crypto, whether we, however we set that up, doesn't really matter. We have the ability to almost launch in every country out of the gate, day one. I forget about the tech and how complicated that is because we're using this like kind of global currency, but there's still like big companies like Apple and Netflix and Google that 
haven't launched in certain countries because they have to set up like a whole thing, whole currency thing, whole banking system around just collecting payments for whatever digital or physical goods, products and services that they're selling. Is that fair to say, or, or, or like, am I flawed in that thinking? No, no, you're completely right. So we, we have employees in 14 countries around the world and we're, we're still kind of a relatively small fry in our industry. Right. And when we do payroll, it, it takes me about two minutes to run a script. And basically a minute and a half of that script running is, is uh, making sure that everything's working the way it should work. And then right. I, I press send and we get payments out to everyone. It, it, and they receive the payments near instantaneously and can spend them themselves. Can you imagine doing this on, and we also do you know, um, paychecks and, and traditional bank payroll for people in the US, uh, but it is so much easier to be able to use this programmatic money that is cryptocurrency. And this is what you're saying is actually, uh, when we launch any product, it's instantaneously available to anyone in the world and we can hook a payment system into it immediately. Yeah, exactly, right? And, and I think that's what I think some people don't understand about the crypto and blockchain space is like, you can basically set up something from anywhere to be anywhere like now. And, it, and mm -hmm. you don't have to go through, go country by country to figure all the, the weird stuff that needs to happen in that country. And weird is a bad word for it, but like, you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> yeah. a bunch of red tape that you need to go through to like, because sometimes you have to set up a physical bank account in that country. Sometimes you have to have physical employees there. Like there's so many hurdles to doing some things in certain countries that with just doing it digitally and online, it's just, they're gone. Like it doesn't exist anymore. That's exactly right. And then when you think about cryptocurrencies, we're talking about programmatic money and you can program the money to really do whatever you want. And some of the most interesting things we're doing to gain community around around the world and countries that I've never been to is by programming in certain incentives to participate in the ecosystems, to take certain actions and get paid to do them, to contribute to the project. So we, okay. we can basically crowdsource talent from all over the world, seamlessly automate payments uh, and get really that kind of like hive mind from around the world to participate on both the, the production side and the consumer side. You know, it, it really is changing the way we do business. Interesting. What do you mean by incentives? Like give me an example. Uh, so one example, there's a company called earn.com and another yeah. company called pipeline marketing and pipeline Marketing is actually in, in our ecosystem. Um, and, and what they do is um, everything from uh, we'll structure a campaign where you'll actually get paid in a cryptocurrency to learn about that, that cryptocurrency, which is kind of like a, you know, obviously that doesn't, it doesn't scale significantly, but it's something where uh, you're at least getting, say, like initial community, like an initial foothold in an industry by educating them and distributing cryptocurrency that you want them to know about in, in the same package, basically. And now these are members that are part of your ecosystem. Another thing that we do is we, we, have, we crowdsource part of our uh, development as a project, and we, we take open source to the next level. So two issues with open source are, Number one, how do you know what to work on, right? You go, sure. to, go to GitHub and you look at what, what are we running, 30 repositories. How do you know what we're working on, what matters, or you're just going to waste your time? So what we do is we curate uh, open source development opportunities, and then we gamify it on the other end. So it's basically like a bounty program um, you know, on steroids, oh, where we gamify, you form teams, you, you know, collaborate with others, uh, and actually you bid and work with each other, work with teams in an open environment to contribute to, to the infrastructure of our, of our project. 
Interesting. Well, and then you, you can cherry pick talent if you need him. Exactly. Exactly right. To consider this like a job interview and you can cherry pick yeah. the best talent that actually delivers based on experience. Well, and you can prove that they can deliver and you can basically figure out their skill set through project. Yeah, exactly. that's actually really smart. Yeah, I have a buddy that got recruited by a big company in, in America because he was like playing their like online game. They had like, they asked questions, but they were like kind of developer focused questions and you had to solve problems through like coding. Mm-hmm. And he got like a really good score and they were like, tr- they recruited him hard for like a year <laughs> and he finally caved and moved to the Valley. But um, so like, I, I think it's cool that you're, you're doing this kind of stuff, right? But you're doing it globally, right? And right. then it doesn't matter. Like he wouldn't have needed to move to the Valley. This was also a number of years ago, like well before mm-hmm. all this stuff was a thing. But like the fact that you could global source talent and you know their skill set or have a pretty good idea of their skill set before they even start with you is actually really incredible in the job market space. I mean, it's huge. And, and it's also providing a social good. I mean, we're, yeah. we're collapsing that, that barrier where in what world in the 1990s, or early 2000s would an extremely talented developer from Vietnam be able to compete in, in the Valley uh, with an American coming out of Stanford? Well, right? you could even argue that doesn't happen now in a lot of cases. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, but in our blockchain world, it yeah. sure does. Yeah. Interesting. No, that's, that's actually very innovative and, and cool in itself. Right. Because I think more and more people are starting to realize, especially during this pandemic that, well, does it really matter if I'm at home five minutes from the office or I'm at home, you know, 5,000 miles from the office. I, that's not even a thing, but uh, like it doesn't on the other side of the world, right? It doesn't really matter at this point. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that shows just one example of how we're not just building a business. We're not just like a, a tech startup that, that raised some VC capital and we're looking for the next round and ultimately exit. Really what we're doing here is we're trying to catalyze a social movement, just trying to fundamentally change the way the business gets done. Um, so that's, that's what uh, makes it a lot more fun than just trying to build out a product. No, I, I think that's actually really, really innovative and, and cool. So I want to maybe, cause we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but is there anything else that you want to talk about or cover that maybe demystifies blockchain and, and crypto and, and this entire space that, that will maybe get faster adoption for uh, companies of all sizes, whether they're one person to thousands of people? Yeah, I, you know, there is this education hurdle. Uh, so we actually built an academy that, that, that tries to tackle this very specific problem. So I, I recommend everyone, if you are interested in any of this kind of information, just come to horizon.io. On there, we have an academy link or just go to academy.horizon.io. Ultimately, it's, it's an education barrier. But one thing that I will say just from personal experience is just dive in and dive in small, dive in responsibly. Um, you know, check out a cryptocurrency. It doesn't have to be us. It doesn't have to be Zen. You know, check out Bitcoin, check out Ethereum. There are so many great projects in, the, in this industry. Just get a wallet, figure out just the, the basic mechanisms of what it means to open a wallet, to, you know, go out and you know, buy your first fraction of a Bitcoin, you know, $10 worth of Bitcoin and get it on your wallet, send it to your, you know, your, your friends, just so you guys can get in there. Really, it, this is what I, what I do when I, when I teach a, a course on, on Bitcoin and blockchain is I always, day one, I have students download a wallet on their phones and I give them all some Bitcoin. 
just to get, get over that hurdle. Don't think about it. Don't overthink about it. Just get over the hurdle, do it in, in a very quick way. Put, put a few bucks in, put 10 bucks in and just check it out. No, I, I think that's, that's very cool. So how about we close again with mentioning where people can get more information about all the stuff we talked about. I know you just mentioned some links, but do you want to mention a couple others? Sure. I mean, so for us, again, horizon.io and it's horizon, Z-E-N, because Zen is our cryptocurrency. Uh, you, you can check that out. And really it's a one-stop repository for all types of information. If you're a developer, you will love our GitHub and we have a ton of documentation around the GitHub and a bunch of sample applications that you can run. And like I said, challenge me on that whole two minutes to, or two hours to launch a, block, a blockchain. Challenge me on that. And, and if we can't get it, uh, we, we want to get it. So we're pushing really hard in that direction. Uh, and really, we're, we're, we're kind of an open book. Because we are a company built on a public open source blockchain, we, we do everything in the open in the public. In fact, we opened our team calls. So every Monday, um, the public can join our team calls. Like you'd imagine joining Google's team calls every week. Um, join our standups, check it out. See how a blockchain company is actually run from the inside out. We podcast the team calls, we put them out there, they're on YouTube. Really, we want the community to participate. We don't want to be the only ones building this ecosystem. I think that's that's really great. Um, but sadly, we're out of time. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. Kevin, this was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community. Sign up for our newsletter or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.